0: Thank you. Patriots. And tonight is Tuesday, October 4th. And as always, the East Coast is a little ahead of us, so they're already dipping into Wednesday, but we'll be there soon enough. You know, These are pretty crazy times, and we've got to keep in mind our preparations for our family to make sure they are safe. And it's literally a time where everyone is uncertain about what the future is. We've got government policies here and abroad, like the Great Reset, that are affecting everything Bankers that are doing crazy things, setting rules, local, local counties and, and states setting rules of basically medical tyranny. We have to be prepared. And that's why we have Patriot Supply. Right now, if you go to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com, you'll find everything you need to set up a baseline for your prepping. And even if you already are well prepped, these supplies from my Patriot Supply are essential. They provide an amazing ability to have peace of mind with the foundation of your preps with meals that are 2,000 calories a day, 21 varieties with a shelf life up to 25 years. They've got breakfast, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks all in these kits. They're resealable. They're in heavy-duty four-layer pouches with oxygen absorbers. Then they're all made in the USA. So head on over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com. You should get one for every member of your family. It's a three-month emergency food supply. You're going to get 20% off and free shipping with every order. It's worth it. In these times of crisis and unknown, they are absolutely critical to have these sorts of supplies on hand. The great thing about them, too, being in the containers is you can quickly throw them in the vehicle if you have to to have them with you. So... Again, preparewithbards.com takes you over to the My Patriot Supply landing page for Bards and you'll get 20% off when you purchase through there and free shipping. It's great. So Patriots, I'm going to touch on a couple of things tonight and some things I've been wanting to touch on for a little bit because people are always getting on me about my comment about Israel. So I want to give you a little background and some stuff here I think is important something called the Khazars, and a lot of people are aware of the Khazars, but I want you to hear where the Khazars are. Khazars were a semi-nomadic Turkic people in the late 7th century AD who established a major commercial empire covering the southeastern section of, ready for this, East European Russia, southern Ukraine, Crimea, and Kazakhstan. Now, if you know about Kazakhstan, you also know that that's where they have built the headquarters for the New World Order. Crimea is in the news, if you're paying attention with what's going on in Ukraine. And, of course, we have the whole Ukraine thing, which, according to our government and the Rothschilds and Rockefellers, we cannot afford to lose Ukraine or the entire New World Order implodes. So let me just give you a little piece here. I think it will help a little bit. Khazars are known also as the Khazarian Jews versus Hebrew Jews of history. And there is differences. The most germane point to make, sure and not miss, is that there are Hebrew people who descended from Judah who were nicknamed Jews. And then later, when the nefarious Khazars were being faced with annihilation, from the rest of the world who were set to destroy them, they chose to become Jews of the formerly peaceful faith system of Judaism in worship of, P- of the peaceful God of heaven. Now, they were offered that as they were about ready to be extincted, annihilated from the earth by one of the Russian czars, and they were given the choice to choose any religion of three, Christianity, Muslim, and Jews, and they chose to become Jews, and I'll continue here. So, and then as soon as they were accepted by the world commonly as a peaceful Jews who had adopted their religion, they added back in their newly acquired religion, to their newly acquired religion, their Babylonian Talmud. And they were off to the races with their corrupt practices of Babylon that Nimrod had fomented, including the original banking system. So this is kind of hopefully clearing up a few things on my position on this. So so these Jews are not genetically nor even by heritage or customs related to those who are the ones God considers righteous and descendants of one of the elder sons of Jacob, Judah. These pseudo-Jews who have adopted the name Jews in name only or Jews by convenience like the Samaritans, who were, who were or were not Jews based on the way that the Roman political winds were blowing at the time, became those who are described in Revelation. So here's Revelation 2.9. I know the works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich, and I know that the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan." And, this is Revelation 3, 9, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before my, thy feet, to know that I have loved thee. So I hope that clears up a few things, because most of your banking, most of your world governance, most of everything... It goes on in the governments, even in Israel, are being run by the Khazars who have taken the name of Jews. And it is a mafia. And that is what is interlaced the entire what they call now, I believe the term is Atlanticist nations, which are those that border the Atlantic. Us and Europe have all been infected with this Khazar group, a Khazar Someone just put question marks in Khazars. I just went over what Khazars was. Listen up, because Khazars were a semi-nomadic Turkic people in the late 17th century AD, and they were faced with extinction. So Khazars, you can look it up, you can read all about it, do the research, but this is what we're facing, and this is why things get so confusing, because they have protected, the Khazars have protected The term anything against the Jews, and they've made it anti-Semitic. But when we dig in deep to what they're really about, they are truly the Khazars that are running this whole beast of a system we're in because they descend from Babylon. So, So exactly what we needed right there to help get along. So I'm going to play a couple pieces here. And this is a a follow-on piece that will help, I think, put some good questions before you to ask.
1: A lot of people seem to be mad about my TikTok regarding Zionists and Israel. So I encourage all of you to do your own research. Prove me wrong. Was Jeffrey Epstein a Mossad agent? Did he provide funding to Carbine? A limited partnership that was set up by the former Israeli Prime Minister? Did the Leslie Wexner Foundation really donate millions of dollars to Israel? Did Israel participate in years worth of illegal organ doning, even though organ doning was prohibited under Judaism? Does the ADL constantly promote tech censorship, especially against conservatives? Who runs the media? Did the former Israeli Vice Consul Ari Shur run a child pedophile ring in his house? Who promotes pornography the most and doesn't want men to participate in No Nut November? USS Liberty, Dancing Israelis.
0: There you go. And here's something else for you. I don't know if you knew this or not, but in Weimar, Germany, which is the Weimar Republic, which, by the way, if you compare the sieging of the Weimar Republic capital with the scene that they created and baited everybody into in the January 6th event, the two pictures look very similar because they've created and staged the same event. It's the same people. These are Khazars, the Khazarian Mafia. But, which is interesting, is that in the Weimar Germany, they had the same things of intentional cultural degeneracy pushed by institutions run by Talmudic Kabbalists. They were cross-dressing. They were experimenting with gender. All of these things were happening in the Weimar Republic. So we are facing, once again, much of the same thing as we had then. And um, it's something else. So there you go, a little bit of framing for this. Now I want to dig into something else. This is an interesting piece I want to play. And I, I want you to hear this because of this I want you to hear what she's saying Don't think that this is some sort of spiritual esoteric nonsense, because it's not, because I want you to listen to it in terms of the power of prayer. It's very interesting what she's going to discuss here. I'll just let it speak for itself.
2: I'm going to make a mind-blowing statement, and that is that CERN and the Hadron Collider are not actually real. Now, wait, 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 How can you make a statement like that? Okay, let's get into it. So right now, I'm reading a book called The Divine Matrix by Greg Braden, and this is what it says. Short story version, he talks about a time when he went to a special clinic in China and witnessed on a video three people in a room of six using this special ability that they have been trained to do in order to remove a woman's tumor. Well, how did they do that? The power of the mind. And these people who are specially trained were able to basically alter the reality that exists right now by fully believing that the tumor did not exist in this woman. And in the video, he explains that he could see that the tumor wavered in and out of reality before completely disappearing. And it's a four minute video. He then goes on to talk about a formula that you can use in order to figure out how many people are needed in order to change the reality as long as the people fully and completely believe in the new reality that they are trying to create. So my new theory is, that CERN and the Hadron Collider do not actually do anything. It's just a big hoax. And that's because I fully believe that the powers that be that are currently creating the reality that we live in use the formula and use certain special individuals to create and alter the reality that we all exist in right now. With Greg Braden's formula... When you have about 6 billion people and you use the square root of 1%, how many people do you need in order to alter and change reality? About 8,000 people. Just 8,000 people is all that is needed in order to change and alter the reality that currently exists. And on the spiritual side of things, we are discovering on our own that we are becoming more capable of altering our own realities as well. And that's because past, present, and future all exist at the same time. And what we do now influences and changes things that happen in the past and also what is happening in the future. So for me, I honestly believe that CERN and the Hadron Collider are a big cover-up because they don't want people to realize the truth. And the truth is that they have discovered that humanity has the capability of altering the reality that they exist in purely purely by believing in it.
0: And I so agree with this. I'm going to read something to you, Matthew 17, 20. And he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible. The problem is that our faith in a mustard seed is not our faith in God. It's our faith in this garbage that keeps being pumped to us by media. And we believe it and we embrace it and we think about it and we worry about it and we get fear over it and we get anxiety over it and it hooks us into a reality that we are literally creating. I am truly of the belief that much of what we're facing right now and so much of the reason this world has gone so crazy is because of the trauma that we have suffered emotionally as a nation when President Trump didn't win. And all they had to do was start pushing their agendas. And as people are reeling from this trauma, they we've lost and we've had to fight back to regain the strength and the footing of our faith. Luke 1019, behold, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. And yet we continue to be pushed over on many levels, not as much as we were, but the world continues to get crazy. And I think that a lot of what we're dealing with, CERN is a great puppet show. A lot of dramatics, a lot of theatrics, and it gets people digging and believing in different things. And they start to like, oh, they're breaking into the barriers of the other spaces and demons are coming in and possessing people. Here's a simple fact. The ugliness that we're seeing today has been here. It's not that the world is getting more dangerous. It's that the veil that protected us is going away. That's God's gift. We're seeing the world in a true face for what it really is. And right now, that face is ugly. So where we are right now in this time, and when we talk about coming together in prayer, I don't think there's anything more important right now than focusing on prayer for what we're trying to achieve, where two or more are gathered, and I I think that's where we miss it a lot because we we have we do pray and we pray regularly, but do we pray with the intent of transforming and change? Now, I'm taking this in the terms that I'm not challenging biblical scripture, I'm not challenging revelation, but I'm just saying that in this moment in time, we we are also being engineered, because I'm telling you much of what we're witnessing right now, whether you like it or not, is being intentionally scripted off of revelation to force in our belief and acceptance of an antichrist. That's coming. The Catholic church is doing this in overtime. The Pope has all but admitted it and get ready for an alien invasion because he's already got that one on his books too. He's already foreshadowed it. So the point is, is what are we going to accept and believe? And when we take into our step of putting our faith and everything, our eyes on Father God, none of this other stuff touches us. I've used the analogy recently, and I'm going to keep using it because it's like the fire tent that a fireman carries. And in the midst of that flashover, when the fire jumps the lines, they can quickly go inside this fire tent. It's a matter of seconds before they can deploy it and get inside this thing that looks like a foil Tootsie Roll wrap. And the fire will flash over them and they will survive it. And it won't touch them. It might heat them up a little bit, but it won't touch them. Our prayers are that important because they're creating this shield of protection around us. That's Ephesians six ten to 18. But it also is a point where as we're doing this, we're preserving and creating these entities, these locations, if you will, where we live that are God-centric. They are God-protected. They are that lamp on the hill. If we're going to keep buying into these narratives, we're going to keep getting sucked into the variations of realities that they want us to believe and live into. And I do believe it has significant real impact. If our faith, as Christ said, can move a mountain from here to there, our lack of faith, but our belief can do something worse. That's not a one-way street. It's a two-edged sword. And if we aren't keeping our eyes focused truly on Jesus and keeping that faith pure, we are going to get corrupted and be deceived and be led astray. And the impacts can be very real and very visceral. Like I said, I'm not a big believer in CERN. In fact, I can tell you from what I know, a lot of what they advertise in CERN is m- mockery of what's and mimicry of what they've already developed down in the southwest area of the country under DOE, Department of Energy. They just don't advertise it. CERN makes a production out of it because there are a bunch of Satanist whores over there, and they've got to all show everybody what they're going to do or what they believe they're going to do before it ever happens. So whatever is going on, we have a lot of reports out of CERN, a lot of things that say that people are talking to entities across the veil and so on and so forth, whatever question is, are we going to give it any validity and any strength? And truly, in the end of this, you know, we, if we aren't keeping our true eyes on Jesus through this whole thing, all of these things get us pulled aside and off that narrow path. So whether you're comfortable with her testimony or not, I have mixed, I'm mixed on it because I don't think her conclusion is totally right. But the point is, I think it opens up an important discussion to be looking at ourselves of where we sit in the power of prayer and our commitment to prayer. If we're going to paint out a fatalist end, we'll, we'll achieve a fatalist end. If we're going to be living truly in the power of, of the word and living in that walk as Christ has asked us to do, to literally occupy and expand the kingdom and then subdue, and that's the key, subdue, and that's our mission until he comes, then none of this other stuff should even bother us. The power of propaganda is an amazing thing, and all of this has been that we're dealing with right now is to mock God, to invert everything that God has done, and turn it on its head, and make a world so confusing that we can't find our way through. That doesn't happen when we're anchored in Scripture and faith. It doesn't happen when we have we walk within the body of Christ. In fact, this just becomes another clown show, and a big one. A lot of Things are happening right now, and people are seeking faith. You see it a lot in the in the chat that's going on, the articles that are being posted, a lot of fear issue with people, people being worn out, asking when it's all going to be over, how soon can it end? Those aren't questions we should even be challenging or asking. You hear questions of where's God right now? God's exactly where he needs to be. This is a, a This is a problem that 7 billion people on the face of the earth have bowed down to a handful of Khazar mafia, essentially, that are telling everybody that you need to get an injection, you need to obey our rules, or else. And there's probably about 30 million of them globally, and 7 billion people are bowing down to them saying, okay, or did. We have to be stronger than that. And as a group, we have the total ability just to say no and through that we're saying no with the power of God. And as we defy and we stand brilliantly in front of them, boldly in front of them. There's nothing they can do. Their system unravels and collapses right before us. And even knowing that we may be seeing a, a an insufferable death, a painful death, laugh all the way to the end because you already know you've won. And that's the attitude of the warrior. Christ has already shown us that in the end that We will have to be persecuted to a certain degree. That was part of what our lesson should be, that in standing truly with, with God, with the Father, we will face persecution. Okay, bring it, because we know that we've already won. But our power and commitment in prayer can never waver. And all of this other stuff around is purely just antics and clown shows. The media's sole purpose is to get into your head. That's propaganda, but it's done it brilliantly. They're constantly doing this with lacing it with a little bit of fact and trying to convince you this or that. I listened to some news of a liberal audience today, and they're celebrating it, and it sounds like you're defeated when you listen to it. They're talking about the great victories that they've had in the Supreme Court because they wouldn't see a challenge against the vax. They denied that today. They're talking about the great advancements they've made with fundraising to raise money for a new vaccine that the FDA has now approved. These are great things that they're relishing on because their temples of worship sit within the institutions of men. And if you let yourself emotionally get pulled into this, then it becomes very demoralizing. And that's exactly where they hook people is because the emotions of the events Way heavy, and we all feel that to a certain degree because we're trying, we're really trying to move this forward and see as many people brought home as possible, but really if we think about where God wants us, if we're just pursuing as Father God wants us to do and we're staying solid in prayer and we are praying together for he's hearing our prayers and he will answer those prayers. So it's really kind of a simple logic of this whole thing It is: if we are praying, we have prayers for ourselves, but if we're praying together and we're united in prayer for what we're trying to achieve, God will hear us. And where two or three are gathered, it is confirmed. So there is a lot of power in prayer we haven't even tapped into we know that prayer can heal. There's no question about that. Whether you, If your expectation is some sort of theatrics of healing, like you're going to pray for somebody and they're suddenly going to jump out of the wheelchair and put on their tennis shoes and they're going to go run a 50 mile an hour or 50 miles run, probably not realistic. But if you're going to pray for somebody to heal and we give that power of God to heal in his time and his way, then we're doing our job because God has never told us not to pray for somebody. In fact, he calls us to pray for people. So as we're called to prayer, there's no reason we shouldn't believe that we can transform the events before us. The question is, do we believe that we can? And that gets back to the faith in the mustard seed. There's an interesting thing if you think about it. Most everybody has acquiesced to the idea that this government has taken us over and has run us down and is running this country off the cliff. Okay, I just, pretty much anymore, I'm focused on a group of people, a remnant, and there's many that aren't doing that, and that's the strength and the world we're creating, and if they want to walk off the cliff, I'm not going to join them, there's no way, and if we're focused on creating a world, a godly world, a God-centric world, you never know what will happen. Prayer is powerful. Our beliefs and where we stand are powerful. And our faith, like I said, can be a dual-edged sword. Because if we aren't solid within our eyes on Jesus, solid in everything we're doing, to truly walk as God wants us to walk, we're tripping off of that narrow path and we're going into the wide gate and not even realizing it until it's too late. If we take our world really as just one big movie, One big game show. It really becomes kind of a comedy. And it's a really bad comedy as well, by the way. It doesn't just take away the suffering of the children or the suffering of people, but they want all of those things impacted on us so that we will become tied into the emotions and not tied into the power of transformation through prayer. These are intentional, these people aren't dumb. They understand very well how easy it is to pull somebody off the path of a solid anchor in faith. They understand how easy it is through evil to make people question the power of God or people to have to start questioning God himself. God, where are you? Why are you not fixing this? He's given us dominion. I think the question would be, why do you have no faith in me? That's more appropriate that we should be hearing that rather than hearing them and all the things that they're doing. I have absolutely no doubt that we can transform this world, that we can do whatever was needs to be done through God. And it will be done as he sees needs, needs to be done. And we will continue to do our job to occupy, expand, and subdue until that appropriate time. That's how I walk in this world. And it has to be that way for all of us to have a fearless heart. Because there's a lot of evil lurking out here that wants to trip us up and it's there, it's mocking us, it's laughing at us because it thinks it has the upper hand. We have an entire government right now that has lost fear, not only in God because they think they're gods, but they've lost fear in us. Okay, that needs to be restored, and it can be, and it doesn't have to be restored with violence, it just has to be restored with the power of our faith and being solid and determined to show them what a resolve is like when we are fearless. That's not one, that's many. And that's a remnant that can easily bring that rain down upon them. This is a very important time. A very, very important time for us to stay focused. And the problem that we have in all of this is it's the distractions are many. And I'm not faulting anybody. Please don't take it that way. It's a matter of us individually facing that challenge and overcoming it. I think Christ has given us all that we need if we truly listen to the words and we believe. And I believe that it unlocks things in our relationship with Jesus that we can't even imagine. We don't know Jesus as well as we'd like to think. When you think of the number of passages that are shared in the Bible, there's not that many. We get an idea, a glimpse at who he was. But in my belief as we get to know as we dig deep into the scripture and we get deep in a relationship with Jesus, it's then that we begin to know him through the personal relationship that we gain through him in our living life. And I think what's most important is for us to stop for a moment and realize that we're not physical beings first. We're spiritual beings first living in a physical world. And when we start to put these things together in a fantastic picture, we are truly, blessed in the most amazing way, whatever happened in the, our creation, somehow there was a lot of jealousy that cropped up and we can see that with all the fallen and all this other garbage that's happened because somehow a lot of people, people, whatever they are, angels, whatever, became very jealous that God had created something in his image. Okay. (laughs) I'm not jealous. We're just blessed to be in God's image. And he has seen that glory and sacrificed his son for us and continues <clears throat> to do all he can to bring us home. God is patient. We're impatient. We're out here going like, when's it going to be over? When's Jesus coming here? It's like, hey, yo, I put you down here in this time, in this place to do a pretty simple job. Trust in me. Keep walking forward. Have faith of a mustard seed. Move the mountains that are before you. Subdue the enemy. I've given you that authority. And if you have the true faith, you can do greater works than he, because Christ himself has given you that. It's pretty amazing. It's profound, in fact. And it creates another image of truly how great we are in God's eyes. He truly loves us. Father loves us. There's no question about that. And he doesn't want to see us constantly beaten down. He doesn't want to see us constantly waylaid. But as part of this too, we have to learn. And we're on a pretty difficult walk right now. We're waking up from a deep, deep slumber. And we're having to realize that, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, this wasn't the carnival ride I thought it was. This is the whorehouse of mirrors that I've walked into. Okay. So we can freak out, get lost and bump into all these walls as we scramble around, crack the glass, cut our face, cut our hands, whatever. Or you can just sit down for a minute and listen and then pray. And then we come together in unison in prayer and it all becomes clear. It's a beautiful walk and it's a walk that is so powerful and so profound that the people around that are sucked into the matrix begin to look at you and I. Not because they're worshiping us, but they're like, how come, how come you are like this? What do I see? What do I feel? That's Jesus working right through us in a profound way. So these antics that these people do are many. They never stop. And it just never ceases to amaze me how much stunt acting we see before us. Whether it's active shooter events, whether it's, I was, you know, even thinking of this this morning and I was in prayer about, you know, if I had 10 people and I hired them to be bullies and to beat on people, I only need to attack 10 people with 10 people, make sure it's on video and then make sure it goes viral into the, into the public. So what I'd want to do is I'd want to have 10 black guys, ideally, and maybe a couple of Hispanics mixed in there. That'd be the good one. and. We want to have them beat on 10 women or elderly that are white. That's it. And you know what's going to happen? With that, there's going to be all this hatred and rage. There's going to be white people going, Ugh, those doggone blacks, look at them, they're doing it again. And then there's going to be a bunch of other people and say, those must be illegals. We don't even know the story. And it's all set up. But just, I tell you this also from experience because this is all psychological warfare stuff. This is how you screw up an entire public, divide a people, and it doesn't take a lot. It just takes good stories. There was a story when I was in Afghanistan about the factions of fighting there, and each faction, interestingly, had a story of some sort of horrific torture that the other side did to itself to justify killing them each other endlessly. One was a story of taking people prisoner and actually taking a hammer and hammering nails into their skull until they started to, to experience so much pain that they would tell the truth. And others are things about being raped and things like this. Look, it did happen. That's not the issue. But it happened once. It didn't happen a thousand times. And that's all it takes—is one story to derail somebody from their faith and their strength on the rock of faith to start hating and to start lashing out and start deciding who's going to be w- going to be worse than another and judging one another by color, by race, by creed—and it's all wrong. There is evil; evil does exist, and that evil needs to be dealt with with the most heaviest hand of justice, and ultimately the, it must be face Father God, at its feet and likely will face the lake of fire. But in the meantime, we have to have that strength and resolve and faith that we step away from the emotions of the play. Because when we're getting played out here, we're getting tormented and being thrown back and forth. It's like putting you inside of a washing machine and turning on the spin cycle. And that's what it feels like some days. And it feels like that because we get emotionally tied to the visceral moments. When you're in operations and you're working in, in an operations environment, you have to always keep a clear head. It's not emotional. It's, it's a mission. And we're on a mission. And God's put us here for a mission. And that mission is so clear. And the way we keep strength in that mission is our relationship to Christ. We always eyes on him. All this other stuff is distraction. Consider all this, all this noise in the media like rounds firing overhead. And when you get into a firefight and those rounds are zipping overhead, if you focus on the rounds, the first thing you want to do is get down on your knees and and hide. But instead, if you focus on what's happening, you'll find that you can start to do a pretty amazing dance. And it does happen. And you're moving through the firefight, through the target to ultimately subdue and destroy. That's what we have to be able to do. And when we use these use these terms, we think too often in terms of armament and guns and knives and whatever else. Believe me, I think every one of us has had the thoughts of that, rightfully so, to deal with this enemy that is so evil and so destructive. But when we're staying focused through Jesus in the power that he wields, that power, which is truly the power of agape love, is a two-edged sword of life and death. And as we walk through that path and we're facing an enemy with that righteousness and that flame burning within us, this enemy has nothing on us. It can't touch us. It can't come near us. Back to that CERN thing. I could care less whether CERN is real or not. To me, the whole thing is a joke and a mockery and it's all intended to mock God and God will not be mocked. And as a disciple of father, I won't let that happen to be mocked. So I ignore it and put it off the side because it's a joke and I'm not going to take it to heart or anything about it. Is it, is it real? Is it fake? As far as I'm concerned, the whole thing's fake because it is a mockery by design. And in the end of the day, it's intended to take our minds into realms and places that we don't have any control of anyway. There's so much obsession right now with this ideas, with the ideas of whether it's aliens that are amongst us or spirits that are amongst us and what's going to come in the days of Noah and are we going to see mutations of things coming out of the earth and are we going to see the, the chimeras that are going to be crawling out of the caves? I don't know. And you know what? I don't care. David stood before Goliath and took five stones and put one right between his eyes and dropped him and killed him and then cut off his head afterwards. Why did he? See, why was he able to do that? Because he had his strength and his rock. His feet were so anchored on that rock of faith. His, his alignment with God was pure. He had absolutely no concern. He knew exactly how he would confront it. He didn't imagine things before they happened. He confronted evil as it was and dealt with it as God led him. And in the end, made a fulfilled his promise that he said to Goliath because he's as he reminded him, "You shall not mock." My God, we have to have that resolve. And as we have that resolve and that ferocity before us, there is nothing out here that stands before us that shall succeed. Now, let's be real. It says no weapon shall be forged against you that shall succeed. That doesn't mean you're not going to get cut once in a while. You will. That's the nature of a fight, especially a knife fight. It's okay. Stitch it up. Wrap it up. Use your bandana. Tie it up. You'll bleed a little. You'll heal. Get over it. Stand back up and fight. This is a vicious fight. And we have to get that burning flame within us to realize what we're facing because this enemy mocks us. They think we're weak. And why? It's been well earned, by the way. They pulled off the Kovacan and they had... 60, 70% of the population go to its knees and say, oh, sure, I'll roll up my sleeve and take this unknown injection that I know that I don't care what it'll do because I'm afraid, I'm fearful, and oh, forget God because he's not going to help me. Oh, big pharmaceutical, the temple of medicine, please help me. If you were in the same position as the elites, you'd think the same thing. These humans are fools. And you would disgrace, you'd be disgraced by who they were because you would know as one of these elites that God is the almighty God. And yet his children don't have the courage enough to stand with him and to stand against these evil. And all that happened was to be empowered them more. So there's a remnant out here. And this remnant is solid. And this remnant has to now be more solid and more strong and more ferocious than ever before because a whole bunch of others didn't. But don't worry, we have that story already. That's Gideon. It only took 300. And as the 300, they scattered the armies and ultimately pursued them and killed them. That's us. Let's quit worrying about what they're doing. Let's quit worrying about whether the white hats are in control or whether the army's coming to save us. Why don't we start doing what Father God's asked us to do? to stand boldly before them to understand that we have been given authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and we've been given authority over all the power of the enemy and that nothing with him will injure us let's take the rule the guidance that he's given us to pers- to expand the kingdom and subdue this enemy And let's take that mission seriously in everything we do, in every breath we do, with an intensity and a focus, no matter how small or how grand that enemy is or that challenge is, let us stand before it and say no. Let us commune with Father God in everything we do, in every step we take, walking under the banner of Christ and knowing that whatever we face, it has no chance against us. That's strength. That's power, that's dominion, and it's also humility because we're not having to go out and advertise it. We're not walking around thumping our chests. We're knowing the power of Jesus within us. And that's ultimately the definition of the meek warrior, not weak, but it's the humble, powerful warrior that knows the strength that he has within him, the mightiness of the sword of spirit with that sword of steel strapped on its side knowing that you can choose to use either, but instead you choose to walk humbly and quietly, knowing that just your presence alone shakes the earth. Why? Not because you or I, because we are simply the extension of Christ and Father God in everything that we do. We do that, we win. And it wins pretty quickly. And I'm good with that, because I have no intention of being part of a losing team. And God's not a losing team. He's got this, but he trusts us, and we have to trust in him and the role that we have. Let us pray. Father, we come to you tonight focused, humbled, blessed to be assembled with so many across the world and to know that you have given us so much. You have blessed us with authorities beyond imagination. All we have to do is claim them through you. So Father, hear our hearts as we ask for wisdom and place ourselves humbly at your feet. We accept authority to walk on snakes and scorpions. We accept the authority over all the power of the enemy. And we accept the blessing of knowing that the works that we do that he did that we will do also and that there are greater works than these that we can do because Christ has gone to you, father. We just ask now father for the blessings, the guidance, the the strength to embrace all that that is in this time for us to walk humbly with a humble heart to a, embrace the temperance that is needed but to let the fires of righteousness burn within us to know the strength and the mightiness of the tools that you give us and to be able to give the compassion that is needed to our fellow man and neighbor and equally to stand to evil and crush it as David did Goliath. Guide us and bless us and we say these things in Christ Jesus name. Amen. It's interesting when you look across the span of what God has chosen as His army. And it's beautiful. And I, I took this trip for six weeks across the country. and just I just saw so many people, so many d- diverse people, and they don't fit the profile of a commando, not many. And that not many fit the profile of a Special Forces or Delta operator, but they're mighty. They've stood up to so much, all of us. And within it, it's the mightiness that's within that counts. God sees your heart more than anybody. And it's there that that calling comes. Embrace it. He trusts in you. He trusts in me. And he knows that we can do what's put before us, no matter how significant, how huge, how impossible it may seem. Because through him, we can move mountains. And we can move that mountain from here to there. So let's do it. This evil has to end. And the hands of victory, or the, the tools of victory, and the pathway to victory rest within our heart, who have Jesus in our heart, and walk truly under the banner of Christ with our eyes on Father God. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. Oh, is he with us. And he'll never forsake us. And he will always win in the end. But he has us here in this time, in this place, for such an amazing moment in time because he trusts us. And it's for just such a time as this. We're at war. And we've been at war a very long time. So let us walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy this land, expand the kingdom, and subdue the enemy. Patriots, have a very blessed night. I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. And this week we've got a really interesting lineup of interviews coming up of of doctors that I think will be really enlightening in Bards FM. So until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
3: Oh, I want to feel something I just want to breathe again Dive into the deepest peace Oh, I want to feel something Let me get back in my body